Hey, this is Jeff Bond, and welcome to the Chapel Leaders Podcast, where we amplify the voices of remarkable leaders who use their influence as a force for good. I wanted to take a moment to express our gratitude for joining us on this journey and for all of you who are sharing the content on LinkedIn and social media to reach more aspiring leaders in your network. Your support and the impact these actions have on spreading the wisdom of the purpose-led leaders we have on the show is incredibly important for us to create meaningful content, which inspires our next generation of servant leaders. So thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Today, we have the pleasure of sharing my chat with Brian Mize, the president and co-founder of AdVictorium Solutions, a top 25 multi-cloud Salesforce partner out of Alpharetta, Georgia, and a certified B Corporation. Not only that, but Brian also serves as a chaplain for the Georgia Army National Guard and served in a combat tour in Afghanistan. The story of why that all came to be is a big part of today's chat, which is both heartbreaking and inspiring, which we'll get into as well as how his experience as a harbinger of hope through his chaplaincy has informed his leadership of a purpose-led, certified benefits corporation committed to having a sustainable social and environmental impact as a business. Today, I'm with Nathan Stuck, the chairman of Be Local Georgia and our partner here at Chapel Leaders, who's also fortunate to work with Brian at Ad Victorium as their director of culture and strategic impact. Nathan, tell me what Brian's example has meant to you and your team. Thanks so much, Jeff. Really excited for this episode, obviously, on many reasons. For those who don't know me, I'm Nathan Stuck. I'm the founder and chair of Be Local Georgia, but I'm also the director of corporate culture and strategic impact at Ad Victorium Solutions, which is the company Brian's president of. So a big day for me as a certified B Corp and kind of seeing my worlds collide of getting Be Local Georgia off the ground, kind of being a co whatever you want to call me here, Jeff, a co-conspirator with you on this Chat with Leaders, Be Local Georgia edition podcast, and to bring it full circle and have the president of our company, Brian Mize, here with us. It's just fantastic. Brian is an all-around inspiring, awesome, wonderful person, boss, father, husband, leader, and it's been an honor to work for him. It's been an honor to work alongside him. And he's one of those people that, you know, we talk about servant leadership and getting back to what this podcast started as, what the Be Local Georgia edition is, it's sharing inspiring stories. And Brian Mize is one of those guys who gets you excited to get out of bed in the morning, who just inspires you to become a better person of yourself. He reminds you that things could always be worse, to see the positive in things, to see the positive in life, to see the positive in bad news. And he's had an incredible influence on my life. I know he's had an incredible influence on a lot of my colleagues, my coworkers' lives, and countless others that the scope of which I can't even comprehend. So excited for you to tell his story, excited for him to tell his story and you to get it out of him. And excited for our listeners to hopefully some combination of ready to run through a wall and ready to take, you know, any negative energy in your life and turn it into something positive. So I'm going to get out of the way now, Jeff, let you do your thing. And I hope everybody enjoys this story from a B Corp leader, a community leader, a business leader, a military leader, and just an awesome, awesome human being. Welcome to Chat with Leaders, Brian. Hey, thank you very much. I appreciate you having me here today. It's such an honor. You know, we talk a lot on this show, Brian, about elevating humanity as socially conscious, compassionate leaders who show up for people in our care at home, in the community, and in the workplace, all with selfless service. And 
by no means does this mean that leaders are immune from adversity. And sometimes the weight of what we're going through personally and professionally can seem like more than we can bear. And so your story that you shared with me of becoming a chaplain for the Georgia Army National Guard, in addition to your business leadership after many earth shattering pivotal moments in your life, has really had a profound impact on my perspective because it points to how there is still hope and there's still opportunity when working through significant adversity given as a gift by the grace of God. And mm-hmm. on top of that, you've had a remarkable career in technology and people leadership that has led you to where you're at today as the president of Ad Victorium in the Alpharetta area. So truly, I am honored that you were willing to share your perspectives and story with our leadership community today. Absolutely. As we were talking a little bit earlier, the ability to tell our story, and and you referenced it there, our stories aren't for us. I think we have our story and uh, our purpose with our story, I believe, is to share it, to be real with it, to let others know where we hurt, where we win. That makes us better as a people, as a community, as a nation, and as a world. That's beautiful. Well, how would you first describe the role and the main responsibilities of a chaplain for someone who's unfamiliar? People hear the word chaplain, they automatically think that that's the preacher down the street on the corner. But from a military perspective, the chaplain really has three core competencies. He or she is charged with nurturing the living caring for the wounded or honoring the fallen. So with those soldiers who are not in either of the latter two categories, our job is to be there with them at whatever point they are, whether they're on a battlefield or whether they're in garrison, certainly if they are uh, wounded or if they have fallen, our job is to be there for them as well, to either care for them and lift them up or to honor the service that they gave. The thing that we are not are proselytizers, evangelists. We can go down a whole list of words. What our job is, is to perform or provide. So as most of us know, the Constitution is a beautiful document that guarantees we all have the ability to practice our religious faith as we so choose. My job is to, the Army calls it, perform or provide. Those things for which I am qualified, for which I am ordained, for which I have been trained in, and for which agree with my conscience, I perform those things. Those all of those things that fall outside of that, then I provide for those, whether it is a facility or the materials or a faith group leader for that group who can come in and provide for those as well. And the goal of it is to build up the soldier, to build up the soldier's family and to build a stronger fighting force as a result. I love that. Perform or provide. And I think that there's certainly a place for preaching and evangelizing and Mm -hmm. spreading the gospel or whatever faith really background Mm -hmm. that anyone is in, but really to show up for people in those areas of need, those three tiers that you described is uh, such a remarkable act of service. And particularly for those women and men in our service that are going through so much traumatic events and and they're really sacrificing so much. Uh, someone needs to show up for them to keep them mentally well and to love them. Uh, interesting point on that, if you don't mind. I know it's a little bit of a segue, but uh, in the Geneva Convention 1949, following World War II, all chaplains for the United States are unarmed. We are not allowed to carry weapons. And some of our allied countries, they allow their chaplains to carry pistols. What the United States does is give us a chaplain assistant, a religious affairs specialist, and their job is to carry the weapon and to be that security for the ministry team. And the purpose for that is so that on the battlefield, in the middle of all of that chaos, in the middle of bullets flying and people dying, the chaplain is there as 
in the middle of all of that, a moment of peace, somebody who's not engaging in the battle, but is there all the same to have a moment of peace where soldiers can share their hurts and can be real while they're engaging the enemy. I think that's an invaluable thing that our country has learned. Amen. Yeah, you had uh, said in our previous conversation that a chaplain is a harbinger of peace and a harbinger mm-hmm. of hope, which is why you need to be able to show up in times of bad so that you could be there in times of Absolutely. good. And that was, wow. I mean, it was just a powerful statement that you made. It's really stuck with me. Can you describe your first interaction with a chaplain? Absolutely. So I was, as we had talked before, I was in the Navy and the Navy Reserve back in the uh, 1900s, which sounds a long time ago now. While I was away, December the 5th, 1998, I was away on a long weekend of duty with the Navy Reserve at a place called Naval Station Whitingfield, just outside of Pensacola, Florida. And I received a call from a chaplain who wanted to come visit me. He drove about two hours out of his way to come take me into a room and began the conversation by saying that it's never good when a chaplain comes to see you, is it? I said, I'm not sure. I've never been visited by a chaplain. And he said, it's not a question. It's never good when the chaplain comes to see you. And the next words he said were, uh, your fiance was out shopping with her parents last night. There was a car wreck. Her parents are okay, but Ashley was killed. So that was my introduction to a chaplain. I had never met him before. He certainly didn't have to come talk to me, but he cared enough to do so. And then that, as you referenced a moment ago, his ability to be there with me when things were, that was the worst day I've ever had in my life, but he cared enough to be there. So the care, the concern, the compassion that he showed for somebody that he knew before he ever showed up was not in agreement with him from a theology perspective. I cannot thank him enough, and I cannot overstate the impact that that had on my life. Such an earth-shattering and pivotal moment that you don't hope for anyone to ever have to go through. And so thank you for sharing that. What aspects of your journey, and this is a little bit more detailed because I want to understand kind of the transition and the progression beyond that, that really hard moment that led you to the desire of becoming yourself a chaplain for the Mm -hmm. Georgia Army National Guard? I mentioned a moment ago, his initial sentence was, it's never good when the chaplain comes to see you. While I have, again, a deep appreciation, that sentence really bothered me. If we are ministers of a hope, why do we wait until it is bad before we go see somebody? So over the years, that kind of, uh, sometimes things kind of sit in our crawl and they eat at us. And over time, every time I would think about that moment, I would hear those words again. And it occurred to me that it shouldn't be that way. It should be that we earn the right to be there when things are bad by being there when things are good. So I had an opportunity over time to attend seminary, I began attending seminary, and then Hurricane Katrina hit, and they lost all records that I had ever went, which was not a fun thing. But my wife and I had a couple of children after that. One of my sons is severely disabled. I thought that derailed me as well. But a few years later, in about 2009, an opportunity came up to serve in the Georgia Army National Guard and to serve as a chaplain in the Georgia Army National Guard. And they had this great phrase called Ministry of Presence. And that means that you're there when things are good so that you can be there when things are bad. And everything in me came alive in that moment. And I knew, I appreciate 
the process that it takes to become a chaplain in that there is a intellectual process that goes through it, but there's still something that has to come alive. And if it doesn't come alive within you, if it isn't more than just a decision of what I want to do, then you're going to miss all aspects of the leadership that a chaplain brings. You're going to miss the aspects of the peace and the hope, and you're going to burn yourself out because you're just not going to be invested in it in the same way that you are if it is a absolute part of who you are. That is powerful and certainly applies to more types of leadership outside of just being a chaplain, which we'll get into in just a moment. We are going to take a quick break for this message from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Inspire EDU, a nonprofit organization putting technology devices into the hands of Atlanta's underserved communities. The need for technology devices has accelerated due to the pandemic, and Inspire EDU makes a positive difference helping marginalized learners. Through its partners and supporters like you, Inspire EDU helps learners become 21st century scholars. Learn how you can support their mission at iuatl.org. And now back to our chat. So at that point, you had been in seminary school. What another terrible tragedy that the documents were destroyed in Katrina. My gosh, if, if things just kept happening to you, I think your head might explode. At that point, were you specifically seeking becoming a chaplain or were you specifically seeking just moving into ministry? What was going through your head at that point? When I was in seminary initially in, in Hurricane Katrina, I was working towards becoming a Navy chaplain. I, that had been my, the whole breadth of my experience was that one chaplain who came to visit me, Navy Chaplain Carrington, his name was. So I didn't know that there were still other chaplains out there. He was the only one that I knew about. So my goal, I had talked with my wife and uh, a few other people. My goal was to become a Navy chaplain. I missed the mark a little bit, but I at least got to the chaplain part. Well, it sounded like you didn't have other things going on in your life at that point. My <laughs> right. goodness. And so, so Navy chaplain Carrington still at it these days? You know, I don't know. He was a Roman Catholic chaplain, and I have looked for him uh, for about 20 years. And I've been unable to track him down. My goal or desire would be to simply to find him one day to shake his hand and to thank him for a number of things, one of which was... In the middle of that day, I remember asking the question of why is this happening? And he said, there are answers, but you don't need to hear them right now. You just need to hurt. That was an amazing sentence, one that I've used often, uh, even in the years since. One day I will hope to find him, to shake his hand and to thank him and to let him know that his service and had a profound impact beyond probably what he recognizes. I think it's such a profound statement because we all want that immediate answer, that immediate understanding of why we're going through adversity and where the opportunity lies within adversity because we all hear it with adversity comes opportunity, but it doesn't immediately manifest itself. And really in that moment, he came through your life and said those profound words and showed up in a profound way that he never knew. He probably doesn't even remember if he had an impact in your life, and yet it's led you to where you're at today. And so that really just points to the fact that as leaders, we may have these moments and it, it, we don't need to feel fulfilled that we solved the problem right then, but that we truly just showed up for that person in a difficult time. I find that on that, that most leaders, whether they're chaplains or other types of leaders, if they are really invested in their people, if they're invested in their mission or their ministry, if you talk to them for about 10 minutes, you'll find a story of hurt 
somewhere in their past that has uniquely qualified them to be where they are today. It goes back again to what you were saying earlier, taking our hurts and taking our stories and using them to make for a better community. Which is rare in, in corporate leadership, which is a great segue into your responsibilities as president of Ad Victorium and your really remarkable career as a technology leader as well. How has, in addition to gaining that perspective of showing up for people in those times of hurt, how has your experience as a chaplain now informed your views on how to be an effective corporate leader? So in order to be a corporate leader, and specifically even uh, a leader in a B Corp, some of the overlaps for that are uh, a B Corp certainly doesn't make decisions without considering the impact on the community, without considering the impact on the team members or on the customers and, and the impact all around of what those decisions are. As a chaplain, part of my job is to advise the commander on the impacts of decisions that are made, whether it is, are we going to attack this village or this building or, or where we are? What are the impacts of that? As a chaplain and bringing in that spirit of service, that spirit of servant, I think I have a great opportunity to serve our team members, being cognizant of where they are recognizing when they are hurting, because again, in corporate America, we want to put that veneer on and we don't want people to know that we are human. We don't want people to know that our families are struggling or that we're struggling because I have been trained in a number of resiliency techniques. I can bring those in, build up our employees, consider the impact uh, for decisions that we're making as a uh, successful consulting firm, and then look at our customers as well and bring that spirit of service to them by building up our team members to carry that out to our customers. Wow, that's so brilliantly said. So you mentioned B Corps, and, and it segues really nicely into the fact that Ad Victorium is a certified B Corp here in the state of Georgia. And we are super proud of our uh, relationship, our partnership at Chavo Leaders with B Local Georgia and the B Corp community here in Atlanta. We feel like these leaders have held themselves to a high standard of accountability, transparency, and the ability to think through the lens of how their decisions impact the all the stakeholders that they have in the community, their teams, and everyone that they serve, the, the social and environmental consciousness. So what has been first the impetus of when you first decided to become a certified B Corp? And then what has that really meant to you as you fast forward to today? As we got started as a company back in 2014, B Corp was something that Jeff and Alice, Jeff and I started the company together. He and Alice's wife wanted to go start a company that would give back to the community. So they did the research. They understood about B Corp. They brought it to the table and they built into who we are, that, that fabric of service, that fabric of giving back, that fabric of being conscious of the community, conscious of the environment, conscious of all of those things that are going around us so that we aren't operating in a silo and just consuming things for our own selves. The result of that is that as we have grown as a company, we've been able to make decisions about the where we source our shirts. Are we sourcing them, for example, from companies that operate on the same set of values? When we look at bringing in, we have a, uh, a gentleman here this morning who is bringing in coffee for us to test out. We're making sure that it's a part, again, of who we are, that we source those things that are responsible, that are sustainable, that take concern for the things around us in the same way that we do as a corporation. That helps us a lot. Again, it, it the really great thing is that it helps our team members who are also passionate about all things around them. It gives them an outlet to know that they're working for a great group that encourages them to get out, to give back to their community, to be involved. We give them 40 hours 
annually or one week annually to just give back to the community, to get involved, whether it is in their church or sometimes here in our office complex, they have adopt a pooch. They go down and just walk the dogs. It's something, again, they can do to get involved, to give back. And when we go back to that servant leadership, to serve even as leaders at whatever the level they happen to be at. Well, it's a remarkable culture. And I know for a fact that you guys have, have experienced explosive growth. And I think in large part and companies that are B Corps don't like to point to this. They don't like to talk about return on investment because it's not why they do what they do. But the truth is that people want to work at companies that have a social environmental consciousness. It's no longer just the right thing to do. It's demanded. And of right. course, the companies that are doing business with you, your customers are going to want to see that too. And particularly as the new generations come into the fold of the marketplace, again, it's it's just going to be demanded. And so kudos to you, Brian, and to Jeff and to Alice and the leadership team for your foresight and just your heart, because it's who you are. It's not something that's forced or that you're doing simply right. because it's good for business, because it really serves your greater why, your greatest purpose. Absolutely. The greater why has to be at the heart of all we do. Amen. Well, Brian, I feel like I could talk to you all day. I'm just so thankful that it was in God's plan for you and I to cross mm -hmm. paths and to know one another. If people wanted to learn more about you, follow your company, your leadership, where would you point them online? You can find us on the web at advic.com. That's A-D-V-I-C.com. We're also on LinkedIn. We have uh, Facebook. We have Instagram, all of the major social media outlets. We also have a podcast, Advertorium Solutions. You can find us there if you want to know a little bit more about technology and how to engage your customers on different levels. You can find us there as well. Well, it's remarkable. And we will certainly be posting all of those resources on our website in the show notes, chatwithleaders.com. Brian, thank you again for your gift of time, remarkable service, and example that you shared with us today. Thank you. I really appreciate the time. Thank you for the opportunity to tell my story. And the last plug I'll say is if anybody wants to know more about my story, I'd certainly love to sit down over a cup of coffee virtually, or if you happen to be in the Atlanta area, sitting down face-to-face, -face, sharing a cup of coffee and sharing our stories together. I'm also on Facebook and LinkedIn at Brian Mize. So uh, please let me know if you want to sit down. Well, what a wonderful gesture. I highly recommend it. It's been a gift to me. Thanks again, Brian. Thank you. Hey, this is Jeff Bond, and thank you so much for investing your time with us today. We'd be thrilled for you to subscribe, rate, review, and share this episode on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Please also visit our LinkedIn page to join our leadership community by clicking follow. We're grateful for your engagement and for sharing the inspiration coming from our guests so we can add value to aspiring leaders in your network. Have a remarkable week and go be a leader worth following.